Hi, and welcome to Be Positive, Shoot Negative podcast. It is season two, episode four, and this week we have a very special guest, Bray Hunziker, his second time on this show. And you guys know the deal, so without further ado, let's hop right in. So, hi, welcome to Be Positive, Shoot Negative podcast. Uh, how are you doing today? Fantastic. How are you? Good. Just uh, soaking in the Southern California sun compared to you in Washington. Yep. You get a little bit more of it down there, but yeah, we get like right. 290 days or something like that. Yeah. Hey, there's a place Northern Washington though that gets 300 days of sun. Where's that? In like way up North, they get a gnarly rain shadow up there. So they get like 300 days of sun a year. It's pretty sick. Yeah. Thinking about maybe making a trip up there soon, maybe yeah. relocating, but we'll see. Yes, All sir. Depends. Um, so basically this year you've been faced with a lot of different like hoops to jump through. Um, last year you posted a video every single week. Um, mm -hmm. What were some of the hard things that you faced with doing that every week? Um, and then did you really feel that like it affected your photos? Yeah, the hardest, the hardest part was just wasn't so much motivation for like the first half i was really motivated in the first half of the year to just go out and shoot every week it was a lot of fun and i was just really hungry to kind of explore different avenues of film photography find out what i'm really which lane i'm really interested in and then once april may came around and the weather started getting nice here i was just even more pumped up to get outside and make the videos the challenge then came after the first six months, I think, where it just became more of a more of something that I felt like I had to do for other people rather than something that I was genuinely interested in doing on my own. And that didn't lead to necessarily bad videos. It just led me to get into a bit of an unhealthy rhythm with it where I was just trying to go out and shoot in conditions that weren't ideal or taking shortcuts that I shouldn't have or um, just not being in the right headspace and still trying to go out and take pictures um, so all those all those things kind of contributed to this cycle of just feeling like I had to put a video out and then not being super content with the video sometimes and then wanting to make up for it in the next video or something like that and then just kind of reevaluated everything at the end of the year and yeah gave myself a bit of a break and kind of changed up the format started doing instead of shorter videos every week kind of started doing longer videos every two or three weeks um which is the goal this year is I think like a video every other week. Um, we'll see how the summer goes, but have a job now and stuff. So a little bit more busy, which is unfortunate, but still going to try to be out and shooting as much as I can. Um, with that aspect of like now trying to balance like work and everything, has it mm -hmm. been really hard for you to like balance everything? Like not just like YouTube and like, but like personal stuff and social life and also running a YouTube channel and everything. Mm -hmm. the so recently i think the the youtube channel has taken a real 
pretty far backseat in my in what I'm able to accomplish on a day to day to day basis. And that's just because the past two months have been a roller coaster and just getting a new job, getting COVID, um, having this knee surgery coming up and just some other personal stuff going on, moving. Um, so life is kind of happening right now. And because of that, I don't feel like the YouTube channels at the top of my mind on a day-to-day basis, uh, which sucks because I do love making videos and, and getting out and shooting. And um, I think once the next month or two goes by, I'll get kind of back into that groove of having the the YouTube channel, the videos, and the whole vision that I have for the the channel and videos. I think that'll all fall into place, and and uh, I'll really start to be able to make work more consistently, and also make work that I'm much more proud of than than uh, the work that I put out last year. So it's kind of slow right now, but I think it'll it'll work out in the, the next couple of months and actually play to my favor. So uh, do you feel like anything's going to like what what do you feel like you need to improve upon, if anything, from like last year's videos versus like trying to do this year and not just only in YouTube, but like photography? Like what did you learn last year that you want to bring into this year? Um, I think that I last year actually well this is kind of different from this kind of deviates a little bit from your question i guess but it's kind of kind of related um so it's actually something that i kind of want to circle back to if i could answer it that way so like at the beginning i was very loose with with my videos as far as like what i would put in them um i would do a lot of just kind of friendly talk and banter and comedy and just didn't really feel that I didn't, it didn't feel restricted as to what I could say or being truly myself on video. And then as the year went on, I felt, and this was more so a pressure. I think I just put on myself for no reason to be kind of more like professional, I guess, like just kind of be more structured and, and, punctual and I think I want to kind of circle back to the first few videos that I made and incorporate more of that just kind of loose personality that funny personality um, and just kind of be the quirky dude that I am on video more but also like combine that with this new format of making longer videos and, and focusing on more mature subjects in the video so last year the video is very much were circulated around i'm going to shoot this camera and this film stock you know like a very traditional kind of film photography-esque video towards the end of last year kind of started deviating from that started doing more okay i'm going to this place i'm hiking this trail i'm meeting these people and i'm going to make a video about that so like moving forward this year i've learned that i want to come back to that funny uh unrestricted personality and incorporate it with all the all the, uh, the new format of wanting to go and meet new people and explore new places and use film photography as a backbone to do that yeah like same with like my podcast and everything it's like i'm always struggling with like trying to somewhat stay professional 
and yeah. like have like decent questions and like always yeah. trying to improve but like personally me i'm not like anywhere near being professional all the time it's like yeah it's always like you're trying to find a hard balance in between like putting out like something that you're like really enjoy and you're proud of and also like catering to a certain like esca people mm -hmm. absolutely and is that like more or less what you were trying to like you see yourself with and like how you do your channel and everything yeah i i mean at first yeah i, I think i think now i'm i'm moving towards a a mindset where i'm just i have a vision in mind for what i where i want it to be and i'm gonna stick to that and it's important in all aspects of life to just kind of have that tunnel vision in when it comes to your goals and what you want to do and so with the channel i think i'm i'm definitely just going to be try to try to be less concerned with catering and uh more concerned with just videos that i personally would want to watch and and that i'll personally be proud of when i look back five years five ten years from now outside of like a few videos you've done it's all been centered around hiking and washington and the mountain ranges and everything do you ever see yourself leaving washington or maybe doing a couple like travel-esque type of living uh, arrangements oh a hundred percent i big goal with the new format of the videos this year and moving forward is to go to different places like washington's amazing because there's so much to explore here so when the budgets are low and time's constraint time's constricted i can just hop in my car head out to a really cool location and film a you know pretty fun video at that spot but the long-term goal with with film photography and in the youtube channel is to use it as a driver to be able to go to places that i've never been meet people that i've never met and i mean one of my biggest one thing that I've always wanted to do is, you know, just live in a different country for a little bit at least. So, yeah, I'm not opposed. I'm not at all opposed to leaving Washington, but Washington will, in the long run, definitely be my my home. Like at some point, there's I'm just gonna settle here. I I highly imagine. So, it's a tough place to be. I love it here, but there's a lot of the world to see and a lot more people to meet. And I want to break out of my bubble that I got going on here for at least a you know a few years um not necessarily running consecutively but just <laughs> total time you know spend outside of, of washington state and that includes other places in the u.s too you know I've, I've never really been to the east coast or the midwest so there's a lot of places that i want to go and washington's washington's home base but i intend to get to as many places as i can for someone who's never been to Washington or people who are listening to the podcast that have never like gone to the Pacific North Northwest, is there any places that you would suggest for people to maybe go see or even move to? Oh man. I mean, there's, there's so many, you know, um, for me personally, I, cause I, you know, when you think of Washington, you think of Seattle and that's, fair enough i i don't think seattle is necessarily for me i love going up there for a day or two every month or so and 
you know, hitting the town and stuff. It's fun. Outskirts of Seattle are pretty nice. Queen Anne, Magnolia, you know, the University District, all pretty cool places. Um, but I think the real treasures in Washington all light, lie outside of the city, outside of Seattle. Um, you get up into Mount Rainier National Park. I mean, we have three national parks here in Washington, Mount Rainier National Park, Olympic National Park, and North Cascades National Park. And the sheer terrain and views and landscapes that you can get yourself into out in these locations is best in the world. I mean, you know, it's it's some of the best and most beautiful scenery I've ever seen. And it's right here in my backyard. The Olympics are incredible. Um, the coast is amazing. And pretty much all these places are within, you know, a three-hour drive. So you got weekend trips to a, where, you know, whether you want mountains, you want beach, you want forest, it's all within three hours out here. And um, some fun towns that I guess I'd recommend. Um, heading out to the coast, kind of Long Beach, Ocean Shores area. That's really fun, especially in the summer when the town's a little bit more busy and popping. Um, it's a great little getaway. There's some really cool small towns out in eastern Washington. Ellensburg is right in kind of central Washington with some really cool diners and great food spots and bars and this is kind of a a, a wild card and a curveball but I actually really like Spokane too a lot of people kind of hate on Spokane because it's dirty and cheap and kind of sketchy which it can be but it's also pretty cool it's an old town and I really like the vibe there and um yeah man there, I mean you really can't go wrong with with anywhere in Washington I don't think I actually think it was voted number one the number one state to live in <laughs> recently as far as uh, there's like five different categories or something they judged it off of, and it overall is the best place to live. So I can vouch for that. Is it like California where, like, if you wanted to go, like, from Los Angeles to, like, the Bay Area, it's going to be, like, an eight-hour drive? Is it like that? Like, if you want to go from the shores of, like, Seattle and that to maybe going over to, like, eastern Washington, is mm -hmm. it, like, a far trek normally? If you were If you were to go to the coast – from the coast of Washington all the way to Spokane. I think that'd be around seven hours. And obviously that varies with traffic, seven, eight hours, I, I'd assume. From where I'm at in Tacoma, I can be out in the coast in two and a half hours. I can be out to Spokane in about five. Um, the traffic's not too much of an issue here, except for Seattle and rush hours and stuff. It, can get a bit hectic but not for the most part i mean you get on the you get on the highway and you're free sailing the whole way and it's a beautiful drive and put some music on it's one thing i've actually enjoyed doing recently and more is just being in the car and uh vibing out listening to some good music and seeing new places in washington um in a couple of your uh live feeds and your q a that you did and here and there in a couple of your videos you've hinted at a photo project Mm -hmm. maybe even a book um is there an idea behind the project um do you have any like timetable like how's it coming along you know i could i could sugarcoat this question but i'm just not going to it's it's not coming along <laughs> it's not coming along at all i thought i had an idea i was going to do something about the property that i grew up on and then i was i'm not saying i'm not going to do it but i honestly I've over the past 
couple of months I've had a reflection I've been reflecting on like what is important about photography to me and right now I think using photography as a backbone to explore new places and meet new people is my number one priority and what I want to use photography for so I think I was kind of tricked at first to think that I was solely that the, the soul that all the value in photography came from the final image itself like are you taking a photo that you are proud of is this photo representative of the story you want to tell but truly that's not me and I don't think that's ever been me when it comes to making videos and taking photos it's always about the experiences that surround the picture itself so when I look at a picture I think more about what was going on in that picture who I was with where I was than looking at it and analyzing an actually beautiful image so I think I differ from a lot of like fine art photographers and, and people that traditionally make photo books in that way now the the idea that I had in mind for this piece about my family's property would have a would have a story behind it a pretty you know layered story to it so um I definitely think it's something that I do want to pursue at some point but I I kind of want to focus more on on making the videos and having these experiences of going out to places that are unfamiliar with me right now and then at some point maybe when I get a little you know get a little burned out or a little exhausted or kind of want to calm things down I might go back and, and finish this project out on my family's property but the more I thought about it too the more I realized that it's really a project that I'd be doing primarily for me my dad my brother my grandma and grandpa my aunt you know it's it's a it'd be a project that I'd love to print a few books of and give to my whole family at Christmas time because they're all people that spent time on this property it's all part of who they are and and uh, what makes them who they are today because they all spent time growing up and and you know playing uh, with I spent time playing with my cousins out there all the time in the summer so yeah it'd be more for for me and a more personal thing now it's not to say that I wouldn't release it to everybody and allow everybody to check it out but I think it's got some more time there, there needs to be some more percolation it's got to sit in the bank for a little bit and I got to really wrap my head around the intention behind it but yeah so Right now, it's not really sure what's going on. I might make a zine or something just with some, some of my favorite landscapes or something. But as far as like a long form, intentional, layered story of a photo book or something like that, don't know if anything's coming soon. I feel like uh, time has a way of like affecting how we view it, images. Um, do you feel like that aspect of how you look at an image and you like going back to that time, do you feel... Um, time has really affected how you view images yeah I mean I take photos now that that are motivated by the thought of looking at them 20 years down the road so time is a huge factor in my photos and I always photos always carry more weight when I view them at some point down the road so when I look at pictures that I took last year they always hit me way harder than they did when I 
first got the scans back or when I was editing them the first time, time is everything with photography. And I think that's in part due to that difference of me being more focused on the experience surrounding the actual image than the image itself. You know, I think when you have a vision for a specific image that you want to get and you get that image right then and there, you know, that's, that's the pinnacle, that's the peak, that's, I, I accomplished what I set out to accomplish and you get to print it out and look at it in all its glory. You know, you, you did it and you checked that off. You checked that box. For me, it's when I take a picture, it's, it's true value and, and the, the heaviest impact it's going to have might not even come for five, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Last time we talked, um, you were in a completely different area living in a different place and then you uh, announced that you would be moving and you talked about it earlier mm -hmm. uh, you said that you were going to maybe do a mini dark room maybe start developing your own film and scanning is this still happening is this something that you still want to do or do you just enjoy the process of taking a picture dropping it off at a lab and getting the scans back no i i I said it was going to happen a lot sooner than it looks like it will, but a hundred percent at some point, I do want to be involved in the, in the whole process. And I think I was just saying that, you know, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to do it in the next couple of months. I'm going to do it here because everybody was asking me and I was like, Oh shoot, I got to do it. Like I just kind of felt pressure from other people, but it's, it's likely going to be a long, a longer amount of time. The place that I'm about to move into uh, actually they're, some stuff got switched up with the housing and stuff so there isn't really a space there I don't think to make a, a dark room and that's likely going to be something that will happen when I find a legitimate house of my own to like settle into or can really take the time to make sure it checks all my boxes as far as what you know the house has and space the space required to make a, a dark room but um no i really want to start getting involved in the in the whole process of it um but i can't say that i don't enjoy having you know a great lab scan my pictures deliver high quality images and and you know great colors every time because i know it's something that i'd struggle with at first for sure it'd be super frustrating but so yeah right now just the the amount of time that i can save by dropping it off at the at the lab and focusing more on taking the pictures especially with everything else going on in my life right now with work and moving and the surgery that I have to get and everything going on. I don't even think I really have the time to focus on you know making like a dark room or a space to develop and scan on my own pictures um, so it's nice to like free up other aspects of my life by just having the film sent to a lab and and uh, you know trusting them with it because yeah, they do a great job. So, um, I I used to actually feel the same way. I felt like I needed like an own designated room, and mm -hmm. the apartment I live in, we don't really have a lot of space. But I found a way to be able to like develop with like a Patterson tank, and I develop yeah. in the kitchen. Um, yeah. And I literally have I don't know about a desk about like 
this big. Right. Right in front of me right now. And I just have like an Epson flatbed scanner. And it's really, it seems like a, at the beginning, it seemed like a really big hassle. Yeah. But it's, it's really not that hard once you get like the swings of it. So if yeah. you want to start, hit me up. I got you. Dude, I will. I will for sure. And I, I think I always kind of forget too that it's like you can just you know buy these tanks and do it in your kitchen and stuff. But yeah. I don't know. I'm more I'm more concerned about the scanning part of it, honestly. Like just dialing in my scanning and stuff because I know it's like I'm being uh, I'm being um, I, I have it lucky right now just being able to get you know drop it off at a lab, get the same get the pictures back in the same day, and they're like the, the colors have always just been great so i know that once i take the step to scan myself it's just going to be like a huge step backwards and like learning everything getting the colors to look the way that i want and stuff so it's just a bit of a a uh, hurdle that i'm not looking forward to having to jump over but i definitely will at some point um i suggest if you have like a mirrorless camera doing that aspect but um if you already have do you have like lightroom and photoshop and all that mm-hmm um just get like negative lab pro yeah it's that that has been a lifesaver with color yeah. correction and everything that's what i hear yeah it's uh makes scanning a lot easier because like when i first started out like um when i was in college that's when i got into developing because college you're broke so yep. uh i what i would do is i would sneak into the uh uh school's dark room like um sf state had um, San Francisco State had an, a dark room and everything, and yeah. I would have to sneak in there because I wasn't a uh, art student. <laughs> so I learned. Nice. How to, yeah, so I did that, and then um, I would actually go to the library because they had like Epson flatbed scanners. But yeah. this is this is before they had Negative Lab Pro, so oh, I used yeah. to just get like Epson scans, and I was like, oh, this is, I guess this is how this looks. Yeah, and then I went to a lab and I got the scans back from that, and I'm like, I'm gonna have to save up because they're yeah. they they get pricey, but yeah, that's how I felt too. Um, I feel like everyone has a weird story or a crazy story with a camera in hand, especially if you're doing street photos or hiking or anything. Do you have any of those kinds of stories? Not so much with a uh, still camera or a uh, film camera but my background with you know photography and videography stems from in high school my buddies and I running around filming all of our shenanigans and doing action sports and stuff and with GoPros and whatnot so I mean we've gotten up to some mischievous things with with cameras in our hands that's for sure um, I mean I don't think there's like one specific story that's just like holy shit i can't believe this happened but i mean one i guess we were i was like filming daily vlogs with alicia well alicia was on that trip and i broke my back we're cliff jumping and we were filming the whole thing so i made a video about that one had to hike out with a broken back like half a mile to the car ride an hour to the hospital and you know it's like <laughs> That probably wouldn't have even happened if I wasn't like skewed by the vision of becoming a daily vlogger and doing everything and anything for the content, you know? And so it's just like immature stuff like that. And we'd, you know, bridge jump and 
and climb water towers with the GoPro in my hometown, you know, and climb over razor wire and, and sneak into gated neighborhoods to climb water towers and jump bridges around my hometown too, that we'd always get the cops called on us and stuff. So not really one specific story, but just kind of running around as a teenager, young and reckless with, with cameras in, in our hands and filming everything. It's, it's funny to look back on. I mean, it's some of the best times I've ever had, but it's also funny to think how I've just matured a little bit over the past few years and have come a long way from, uh, you know, after school activities like that. Um, you really, when I wanted to get a Pentax 6-7, you, I reached out to you and you were very helpful with everything and you really helped. Mm-hmm. It kind of broke my heart when you actually sold it. So uh, why yeah. did you uh, decide to move on from the Pentax 6-7 system? I picked up the Bronica SQ again and just realized how much I'd love that camera. Uh, every time I get scans back from it, I'm always just super pleased with the the image quality and the softness and the colors the exposure is always just pinpoint accurate on the light meter on it and so I was really enjoying shooting with that again and I also just love square images I love six by six and I think it's it's probably my favorite format and because of that the Pentax just wasn't seeing as much light a day and with everything going on and moving and stuff um, you know having a lens that costs almost like 800 900 bucks or something like that on that thing and it just seemed like a good time to to transition i'll definitely be getting another six by seven camera um but since i love traveling and hiking with my six by seven setup the pentax isn't super ideal for that and i also like shooting long exposures with it and i don't like how much micro vibration shows up like one sixtieth to like one second or whatever because when you crop in and it might be my tripod too it wasn't the sturdiest but even with mirror lockup like set it's still you still get a little bit of micro jitter and you could definitely tell when you punched in on the image so that kind of bummed me out so i might end up going the basic route of you know i'm a mia 7 just because it's lightweight and can take it on hikes a bit e- bit more easily and uh also shoot it like handheld down to like 130th because there's no mirror which is pretty pretty nice so that'll likely be my next 6x7 purchase not sure when that's going to happen probably probably not super soon i'd imagine but yeah at some point i'll get a new one but the pentax just it was super fun to use loved that camera for portraits it's almost impossible to beat in my opinion but I realized that for what I needed it for, it wasn't exactly serving the best purpose that it could. The price tag on the Mamiya 7 is what always draws me away from ever yeah. just looking at I like It's like, I want a Leica M6, but like, I don't have Leica M6 money. So dude, we're, that's Alicia is in the same boat right now. She's like, she, I mean, she's wants to get an M6. And then you like, you look at the, body and it's like okay 3200 bucks for a nice one and then you realize you have to spend another three thousand on a light you know if you want to like a lens or something like that so it's like oh god do i really want to drop like and then after taxes and fees on ebay and everything you're i mean you might be looking at seven thousand dollars here it's like oh god so it's quite the investment that is like similar story with the mamiya 7 you know it's like 3500 mamiya 7 2 is like 4500 so it's just it's hard to drop the price of a cheap car 
on a 20 year old film camera yeah um i've actually so i talked to trev lee about it and mm-hmm. uh he i was like why do you choose the m5 and it was just like it was less expensive but it's like he referred to the m5 as like a uh, the ugly duck yeah duckling the ugly it. duckling of the m5. yeah yep. but um i think if i ever get enough money i probably won't get an m6 because it's like really hype i probably would do like an m4p because it's like mm-hmm. kind of the same thing it's just it yeah. doesn't look as nice as an m6 but mm-hmm. the prices on these really bougie-esque cameras yeah. are pretty insane yeah one thing that i really enjoyed about your pentax that mine doesn't is mirror lockup mm-hmm. and you were notorious for hitting that switch did you ever feel that your mirror lockup shots were better than your non-mirror lockup shots yeah there's literally a video like the end of one of my videos it's the one to to uh, bend oregon and smith rock at the end of that video i literally shot a picture i accidentally mirrored up as usual shot a picture with the mirror up and i looked at it and i was like oh this isn't exactly what i wanted i wanted something a little bit different so i that was the last frame in the roll went and put a whole new roll in just to get this one picture i take it being able to see the frame and I get the scans back and I take the time to look at them. Sorry, airplane going above. Um, I take the time to look at them and I realize I like the mirror lockup shot better. Like I, I was like, I literally am a better photographer when I can't see what I'm actually composing. So yeah, it's questionable for sure. Um, but you got to treat it like a, a little gem, a little you know Easter egg that comes around every so often. When it happens, cherish the moment and dive into it because you're about to get something truly uh truly incredible so you gave away your canon um camera i think it was the ae1 right that you gave away Mm -hmm. and then you missed it so you got a1 (laughs) yeah and then you sold it yeah uh do you ever feel like you're ever gonna want to go back to 35 but then like two months down the road you're gonna be like ah i don't like it yeah dude i'm in a like i do this with stuff i'm like i go through phases real bad like i'll do like a two-month phase of something and i'm like i don't like it and then i'm like actually i want to get back into it it's kind of the story with 35 like i want to love 35 and i do love 35 for certain things and most of what i'm doing now i just don't feel like 35 caters to super well I love landscapes and I love the dynamic range and the quality of a medium format landscape. It's just, unless I'm going to invest in a system like the M6 with, you know, like a glass gets, you know, the sharpest image I possibly can. It's just, I don't know. I'd, I'd rather just shoot a medium format. I also recently kind of came to the realization that I'm not a huge fan of the ratio of 35. I much prefer the ratio of of six six and six seven, having a little bit more of a, you know, squarish rectangle than something super wide is something I, I enjoy. And, um, when I think about the cameras that I'll end up owning for a long period of time, I think right now at least, of course, this could change in a couple of months. But right now at least, I think it'll be some sort of point and shoot for 35 just something simple because for 35 i love taking it with me on trips and stuff but i want it to just be like in my pocket unobtru- unobtrusive and i can just whip out and i have to worry about settings you know just grab a quick memory photo 
for my friends and you know family and stuff like that and for myself nothing too serious and then for anything that's more like intentional methodical i'll you know get out my my bronica or at some point maybe be you know my mamiya 7 and shoot it on that so yeah i you know it's, <laughs> i like got the eight i got sold or gave away the ae1 bought an a1 um because i missed it and i shot the a1 a few times and i was like oh, i just don't I just don't love 35 the way that I did last summer right now, but of course that could change at I, any moment. I know you're not a fan of black and white, but with me, um, I have a roll D 35 and that's like, I couldn't afford a Leica lens. So I yeah. got a roll 35. So I saw the Zeiss, but it, yeah. the one thing I always liked about like a point and shoot camera was like, you could just slip it in your pocket. Yeah. Uh, you could do that with the Rolly 35, but everything's manual. Uh -huh. so it's like that's really nice but if yeah, you ever that's... if you ever want to not go down the uh like yashika t4 type yeah. of esque type of camera i really suggest doing a rolly 35 yeah my dad wants to roll a 35 real bad he's won one for like two years now <laughs> yeah he loves like, that camera. they're pretty sweet yeah i love mine i actually so i got it through ebay but it was actually a really cool story um of who owned it before me the person who owned it uh was he got it for his dad because he worked at a camera store mm -hmm. and his dad took it traveling around the world working with national geographic whoa uh, so that's i got badass. yeah i got a pretty cool Damn. camera yeah that's sick Dang. yeah it's it's the all black one so yeah. i got it's a little drip but like not <laughs> a lot yeah that's super cool yeah one of my favorite things about um from your videos last year is you did you talked about your project with ashley and her family yeah um how important was that experience to you uh do you ever see yourself doing a project like that again oh yeah that was i mean yeah i made a video saying you know that that's like my most those are the most important pictures i've taken and they definitely are i don't think i realized the magnitude of it while i was there actually but then when i got back home started making the video and like got her response from the video i realized that it's a pretty it was a pretty special thing that i was able to do be able to tag along and and capture those moments that the children specifically will look back on you know 20 years down the road when they have time to to process it all like it's gonna be something that they'll keep with them forever which is pretty special to me and yeah, I wasn't necessarily trying to tell a story through those pictures at the time. I was just kind of documenting what was going on on that trip. But when I go back, and this is kind of goes along with the time aspect of photography that we, we were talking about earlier. But yeah, you know, that trip was a year and a half ago, almost two years ago now. And I look back on those pictures and it's just yeah it just you know brings me right back to the moment so can't imagine what it does for ashley and what it will do for the children at some point in their lives um one thing that i've really enjoyed that you very are you do really well is that you communicate with people who follow you and subscribe to you and then you also like really get back to the community the last mm -hmm. time you were on this podcast the first ever week of the community gallery went live how do you see this gallery going forward and what are some things that you learned from that first three the first uh, community gallery that you want to implement into the upcoming ones 
Well, I don't see it changing structurally too much. I think it's, it's working pretty solid right now. I'm going to try to bring like more brands on board that'll be able to supply some, you know, some good, some gift, gift bags or some gift cards, you know, to people that participate, you just get a little bit more hype around it. And we're already working on that for the next round. Um, but yeah, uh, the, the thing that I learned from especially this past round was that I really need to get some more female photographers on board on the gallery. And, you know, somebody brought it up in one of the live streams. And a big reason why there were so few female submissions is because my audience on YouTube is 90% male. Literally, my analytics is, is about 90, a little over 90% male and a little less than 10 percent female so yeah for whatever reason it's just a very male dominated uh, community right now so i'd love to try to spread the news that you know there's some fantastic female photographers out here and they're making some incredible work as long as i can get the info about the community gallery to them somehow uh, still working on how to do that but as long as I can do that somehow and figure out a way to just make people more aware that it's going on. Uh, hopefully you get some more female film photographers to submit and, uh, and have some work in the future galleries. So that's something I'm going to be like thinking about and working on for the next one for sure. And just, you know, how I want to go about doing that. But um, on top of that, I just learned that there's a lot of, uh, a lot of people from all over the world that are connected through film photography you know it's like a really cool uh really cool heartstring that we all share and it's pretty damn special get you know the community gallery this time got viewed by people in over 80 or 90 countries and i uh, got a lot of messages from people saying that they met people and and met up for lunch or went out to shoot pictures because they met somebody in their hometown on the community gallery and just blows my mind how how many photographers are making really incredible work and going unnoticed. And I hope the community gallery is a place where people can come on, really take in, indulge, dissect the work that's being produced by these fantastic photographers and start having communicate uh, conversation about it and hopefully inspire some collaboration as well. Uh, for people who are listening that have not um, ever heard of the community gallery, do you know where they can, uh, you want to, say where they can actually find the gallery as well as how they can send in their work when it comes time. Yep. So it's just on my website, brayhunziker.com slash community. And the next one will likely be end of May or sometime in June. Just follow me on YouTube or subscribe, I mean, and follow on Instagram. And I will be posting announcements when the time comes to submit work. So the, the submission process might be a little bit different. Um, last time we got, I got about 300 and something submissions and just wasn't able to get everybody in, obviously. And so I might have to tweak it a little bit, but yeah, just keep an eye out on, uh, on my socials. And if you check back in on the community gallery page on my website, brandsrecker.com slash community, uh, there'll be a whole list of instructions when the time comes on how to actually submit. So all that information is going to be in the description for sure. 
Um, yep. This last question I feel is a pretty hard one. What is one non-alcoholic or alcoholic drink that you cannot live with? And if it was the only thing you can drink for the rest of your life, what would it be? Non-alcoholic or alcoholic? Yeah, like I know we both like a good beer here and there. So yeah, yeah. Oh man. Um okay, non-alcoholic. I think is gonna have to be oh, this is a tough one. Wow. I even saw this you know, I was like just thinking about this question. I was like, God dang it, how do I <laughs> um non-alcoholic? Dude, recently I've been been heavily vibing with grape juice. <laughs> grape juice? Yeah. I was thinking Topo Chico. Like Topo Chico is for sure a big one, but like also Topo Chico is like it's based it's like water and that's not super fun. So I don't know. I'd have you, to go with usually Topo Chico, but like right now grape juice is is just it's pretty it's pretty on point. Um alcoholic wise uh I'm actually doing a little alcohol free run right now, but, but probably a, probably, oh, the, what was that? Taylor Davis showed me a IPA that blew my mind. Um, it's, uh, oh no, I'm going to forget it. Anyway, a really good citrusy IPA that I can't remember the name of right now, but yeah, can't live without those, man. But grape juice on those summer days, sitting on the roof, sun shining. Ooh, can't beat it. Grape juice, though, for your non-alcoholic. That's your final answer. (laughs) Oh no, yeah, it's my final answer. (laughs) That's pretty bad, huh? Oh gosh. All right, I want to thank you for taking the time coming out um, and being on the show. Really appreciate it. I know we're busy and everything, and um, really appreciate. Oh man. Dude, no, thank you for being so flexible. I know I rescheduled like what, maybe twice. Oh God. So, so bad, but usually I'm not like that. Just life been hitting a little different lately. So appreciate you being so flexible and and cooperative. And I appreciate you having me on here. And it's been sick to see where you've taken this thing, man. Like you got some, some of the biggest, biggest people on here and chatting it up. I appreciate that. Keep it up, dude. It's great to be on. Really appreciate you having me. If you would like to check out some of the amazing work of Bray, you can see him on YouTube as well as Instagram. And all of that information is going to be in the description of this episode. If there's an artist you would like to see on the show, head over to Instagram. Follow me at Joey underscore Bally. That is J-O-E-Y underscore B-A-L-L-I. And shoot me a DM. Thank you for listening and stay safe out there.